Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, happy Father's Day and welcome to First Baptist and a happy Father's Day to those of you who are streaming and welcome to First Baptist Orlando. We're so glad you're part, even through the stream. So here's the question. This is Father's Day. So how many of you have a father? Raise your hand. Let me, let me just see your hand. Ah, oh, good. We got some people in this room very confused. They did not lift their hand, okay? How many of you are dads? Your fathers, stand up. Let's go. Come on up, guys. Yeah. Celebrate it. Thank you, guys. Man, it's so good to see you. This is one time I can stand with you, and I'm so blessed to be able to do so, and I know you are too. And, and the day is, is about you, but it's about all of us. And, and a place in God's Word where I think we're going to find that it speaks to every one of us. But you realize how powerful your influence is as a dad. And it's so good. I see some, some families sitting together, and I just think that's awesome. And I see some families that I know the father and the grandfather have had major, major influence. I remember meeting a prison ministry leader and I remember asking him some questions because he'd been in prisons everywhere. Just when I was in Texas, and he'd, he'd been in some of the worst. I said, what surprised you about going into prisons? He said this, I've never met a prisoner that didn't hate his dad. Now let me say that again. I've never met a prisoner that did not hate his dad. You know what that tells me? Dads make a big difference. And the relationship with the father matters. You know, you are the number one source of where kids develop their first understanding of their heavenly father. You're the first place that they begin to construct in their mind this, this picture of God and this idea of God. You're the number one place. You're also the number one source of the worst jokes in the world. Dandy made a great point this morning. There it is, the worst. Here's a couple of tweets that'll make your day, all right? Let me read them to you. It was you or another cat. Make sure I don't regret this. My husband speaking to our son when he was born. That's not being a great father. I mean, just throw that in. This is my favorite one. My dad adamantly stated, essential oils are used to fry onion rings, wings, and french fries. All other oils are not essential. <laughs> Can I get an amen, guys? Come on. It's the only essential oil I know. Do you know what you call a cow in an earthquake? A milkshake. Okay, so everything you needed for the day, you've already gotten from us, right? How about father-in-laws? You see, I was blessed with an incredible father. Man, I love him. He's with Jesus. And I will forever be thankful for what he taught me. But I was doubly blessed in that I had one of the greatest father-in-laws 
that I could have ever asked for. And, and I, I don't know how many of you, I, and I really want to play a really mean trick on you. It's not a trick. It's, it would just be mean. <laughs> I, I want, if you didn't have a great father-in-law, I want to, no, please don't raise your hand, but I wanted you to raise your hand just so your wife could look at you and y'all could talk later on the way home. How about this? If you had a great father-in-law, raise your hand. Thank you. My advice to men everywhere, raise your hand no matter what. If your wife is here, raise your hand. I had a great father-in-law. Did you know that there's a story in the Bible about a father-in-law that had incredible impact? And we're in a series called Summer of Impact. And the goal is to look at little-known characters in the Bible, little-known names that, that made a difference in the kingdom. And there's one in the Bible that... You've probably heard his name, but it's not for the reason of he's a biblical hero. It's because his name. His name is Jethro. Okay? So when you hear the name Jethro, how many of you think of this guy? Yeah. Yeah, that's Jethro. How many of you think of Jethro Tull? Yeah, I see those hands, fellow rockers. We'll talk about that last in a whole nother sermon. This is the father-in-law of one of the greatest leaders God's people have ever known, Moses. It's his father-in-law. We don't know much about Moses' father. But man, we know something about his father-in-law. In fact, there's a debate. And I'll just go and tell you, there's a debate on who influenced who more. Was it Moses really helping his father-in-law, Jethro, to understand Yahweh and the worship of Yahweh? Or was it... Jethro helping Moses to understand. Well, therein lies the point. Guys, you don't have to have been a biological father to be a father. Because some of you have been a father image and influence in somebody's life. Because you've been there. And you have represented your heavenly father well. And I want to tell you, that's what being a father is all about. Hey, biologically, that's awesome. I'm glad God gave us that privilege, but that's not what it means to be a father, according to Scripture. It means someone who has had influence. Not somebody that's famous, not somebody that has a big name, but just somebody that's had influence. And it's amazing to me how that influence happens. There are people in our life right now that have helped us to be where we are. Guys that, that stood a minute ago as dads, they're people God's placed in your life. Your kids that teach you about God. I remember when I was single, I had a woman in the church I was pastoring, and she kept telling me, just made me so mad. She kept telling me, you're going to be a lot better pastor when you get married. Well, I finally got married, and, and Rachel married me, and I, we were still at that same little church, first church I pastored. And then she changed it. She said, you're going to be a lot better pastor when you have kids. <laughs> and you know what? She was right. Because you understand so much about the love of your heavenly father when you want to kill your own. So, I mean, it makes, <laughs> it just helps us, right? So our kids influence us, and our wives, yes, Guys, give it up for our wives that influence us, that help us. And then, 
for those that are married, that family you married into. Who knows what God was thinking when, that, when he let that happen. But I know what he wanted to do. He wanted to bless you because there's an influence there. And that's exactly what this story is about. I'll make it real simple. Two simple points. Guys, be ready to speak what matters. Be ready to say what matters. Number two, be ready to listen to what matters. Because in the story of Moses and Jethro, you have both. You have listening to what matters, but you also have speaking to what matters. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to go to Exodus in your Bible, or if you've got an electronic version, obviously go to it, Exodus chapter 18. If you are streaming, we'd love for you to post something about being a father and just the blessing of being a father. And uh, hey, let us know. We had a chance to honor those in the room a minute ago, but man, we sure would like to honor you as well if you're on this stream. And uh, we want you to know to you, we say happy Father's Day and may the, the Lord bless you. So here we are in Exodus 18. Now let me tell you a story, okay? You remember the very first sermon in this series was about two women who were, anybody remember who they were? Pua. And who was the other one? Sipra. Sipra, that's right. And what they do, they were midwives. They were midwives in Egypt. And they would not listen to the Pharaoh and go with what he said. No, they protected the Hebrew children. And one of the children who survived because of that is named Moses. And he was God's appointed servant to deliver his children, his people, from the land of Egypt. So his story goes like this. He's 40 years old. He's been in Egypt all of his life, raised in the court of Pharaoh, literally in the home of Pharaoh. And one day he sees something going on, and he gets involved in it, ends up killing an Egyptian. He freaks out. He buries them, thinking nobody knows. And then somebody makes a comment. Oh, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he's like, they know. And he just runs for his life. And he runs into a land called Midian. Now, Midian was in what we know as the wilderness. It was on the other side of the Nile. It was in an area that he would go back through later. It was near the place where God gave the law, Mount Sinai. And he did something there, really amazing. He gets there, and he sees some shepherdesses. Did I get, the, get it right? Shepherdesses, women, seven beautiful girls with flocks. And they show up to the single men in the room. You might want to hang around the well. You might want to hang around where you got this kind of thing happening, right? He's just there, and he sees them, and they are trying to get water to their sheep. And at the same time, there's these rude guys that are shepherds, and they run them off. Well, Moses, being the man he is, said, no, that ain't going to happen. Not on my watch. He gets up. He says, no, we're going to take care of these women. And he literally carries water for their sheep. Well, the women go home and tell their dad, hey, we got home early today because there was an Egyptian man. 
And he took care of us, and he stood up for us, and he watered our sheep. <laughs> and Jethro says, well, why didn't you bring him home? I mean, I can just hear this conversation. That's what we've been praying for. You'd meet a guy like that. Why didn't you just bring him home? And so sure enough, they do. Moses comes home, meets Jethro, and Jethro gives him one of his daughters named Zipporah, or Zipporah. Not Sephora, that's a different store, okay? Zipporah. It means, of all things, her name means Ladybird. They get married. They have two children. And he lives there with them, and for 40 years, he's in the land of Midian. He's with his father-in-law and the family. Now, so what do we know about this guy, Jethro? He was a priest in Midian, the Bible calls him. So does that mean he was a, a follower of Yahweh? Did he worship the same God Moses worshiped? Kind of. There's a lot of debate about him. There's a mystery about Jethro. In fact, what's not mysterious about him, he was a great man. In fact, the rabbis wrote of him. His name occurs in the first five books of the Bible three times, and then it occurs once in the prophets. And the rabbis later wrote great things about him, and they wrote that he was a true believer in Yahweh. The only question is, did he learn it from Moses, or did Moses learn from him? And the answer is yes. I think, my personal theory is, I think he was a priest of Midian. Midian, by the way, was a tribe descended from Abraham, just not through Isaac, the promised child. And I think that he knew something about Yahweh, and maybe there were some other gods mixed in. We don't know. There's a lot of theories. I just think that he understood something, but he understood a lot more when he met Moses, and he heard from Moses. And the same with Moses as he learned from his father-in-law. So watch what happens. The day comes when Moses has the burning bush experience. He has to go back to Egypt to get the children of God out of Egypt. And long story short, let's just say his wife went and then came back with the boys, okay? I'm, that's all we need to say right now because there's some really crazy things that happen there and back. All right, so he's by himself in Egypt. He gets the people of God. The plagues come, and the Pharaoh says, go, and Moses says, thank you for letting my people go, and he's out of there. Okay, they get out in the wilderness, and all these crazy things are happening, but he's headed straight to Midian. And when he gets close, the word gets to Jethro, hey, Moses is coming, and he's got this bunch of people. I mean, the counts of how many were in that ground— 600,000, 700,000, some say a million. And they're camped. And so Jethro says to his daughter, Zipporah, let's go meet your husband. Says to the boys, let's go. And they go. And so what you're about to read is that encounter when they see each other again. Chapter 18 of Exodus, verse 1. And it starts this way, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, 
had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, or Zipporah, either one, and he had sent her home along with his two sons. The name of one was Gershom, because it means I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The name of the other was Eliezer, which means the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Now watch what happens in this meeting. Ladies, you're going to be offended. Just trust me. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and they went into the tent. So he kisses his father-in-law, but does he even greet his wife? We don't know. Truth is, custom was that you honor your father-in-law. And so he honored him. He kissed him. And they exchanged. I'm sure there was a moment, and I'm sure it was very dramatic with Zipporah. I'm sure they were running through the desert with arms open in slow motion. I mean, I just think it was in slow motion. And then they embraced, and then the father-in-law says, hey, I'm over here. And he went over there and kissed him. Okay, so let that be the, the little scene that you play in your mind. So now they're sitting in the tent together. Watch, watch what happens. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I said there were two things, guys. Be ready to say what matters. Be ready to speak what matters. What, what, what am I talking about? It's very obvious that Moses wanted his father-in-law to know, let me tell you what God has done. And he tells him the things of God, the works of God. Guys, can I just tell you, you'll never be a greater father than when you begin to tell your children the things that God has done. The greatest gift you could give your family is the testimony of the goodness of God in your life. You know, we, we make it complicated, and dads think they've got to have a Ph.D. in Bible to, I don't know much about the Bible. Do you know what God has done for you? Tell them. Talk about it. That's what I mean. Be ready to talk about things that matter with your kids. Now, there's nothing wrong talking about other stuff. Okay, I know we're going to be talking about Kevin Durant and how big his feet are. And if they had been a little shorter, that shot would have been a three-point shot and Brooklyn would have won. But as Kevin said of himself, my feet are too big. Now, I'm sure that's fun to talk about. But in eternity, does that matter much? No. Does it matter about who won the soccer game? Does it matter about stuff that, you know, it's fun to talk about those things with our, with our kids, but is that life-giving? The first thing Moses wanted to do was tell his father-in-law, man, let me tell you what God did. There were some incredible stories he could have told his father-in-law. I mean, think about all the things he saw, Moses, the plagues. I mean, he could have been talking about the craziness that was going on in Egypt, but he just said, you got to hear what God has done. 
Dads, be ready to talk about things that matter. Father-in-laws, be ready to talk about things that matter. Now, let me show you what Jethro wanted to talk about. He had something that mattered. One of the coolest things that happened, you got to skip a few verses down. All right, watch this. Jethro is watching Moses, and he's watching how Moses sits all day, and all the people come to him, and, and I mean, it's like just they're just waiting to talk to him. Now, let me tell you, when those people were trying to get to Moses, it was not to say what a great leader he was. It was to complain. In fact, the word murmur or complain occurs over and over describing those children of Israel that have come out of Egypt. They were one. I mean, Moses should have said, well, would y'all like some cheese with that wine? Because that's all I'm hearing. That's all they talked about. But Moses thought he should hear it all. And his father-in-law's watching this, and he's going, this is not going to work. This is going to kill that guy. So you know what he does? He talks to him about what matters. Look what he says in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Let me ask the guys in the room, does your father-in-law have permission to say to you, let me point out something that's not good. They need to have that permission. You say, but they're crazy. Well, you never know. God uses crazy people. He used a donkey in the Bible. He uses crazy people in my life. I just think they need the right to be able to speak to you. And so this is what he tells him. What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear you and yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do this alone. Now obey my voice. I'll give you some advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way they should walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place those men over the people as chiefs of thousands or hundreds or fifties or tens. Let them judge the people at all times. And every matter they shall bring to you that's great, and any small matter they'll take care of it themselves. So it'll be easier for you. And they'll bear, bear, bear your burden for you. If you do this, God will direct you. And you'll be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. That is one of the greatest leadership principles that we have ever read. In fact, people who are not even believers or followers of Jesus will teach this principle. It's just the beauty of distributing the power, distributing what your responsibilities are. So in other words, Moses doesn't have to hear every one of you. He has people to do that, and then he hears the things that are the big things, so he has to make. Guys, it works in companies. It works in churches. It's incredible wisdom, and it came from a father-in-law that spoke into Moses' life. Are you ready to say what matters? Because what God may want to do is use you to save the life of somebody. Now, the other side. Be ready to listen to what matters. Now, we started with Moses and what he told Jethro. Did Jethro listen to him? When Moses told him about all the incredible things, 
You bet he did. In fact, not only did he listen, turn back a little bit in that same chapter to verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Now I know. Why did he say that? Because he had heard the witness of his son-in-law. So in other words, a father-in-law named Jethro was not too arrogant to listen to a son-in-law. And as a result, he learned something about God that made him believe. Now I know. It ends up he offers an offering, a burnt offering to God. Literally worships. All because he listened to what Moses had to say. Listen to what your son-in-law says. Listen to what the people around you say. Listen to what your kids have to say. Because it might be the turning point. It might be something that God wanted to teach you or speak to you. And what about Moses? Does he listen? Yep. Because you know what he did? He quit trying to hear everybody's complaints, and he did exactly what his father-in-law suggested. And the Bible says it absolutely worked, and he said goodbye one day to his father-in-law because his father-in-law didn't want to leave Midian. He wanted to stay there. And he went on and took the children of Israel to the promised land. It made a difference. In fact, it saved Moses' life. Moses would not have survived those people if he had not listened. So what's the point? On this Father's Day, be ready to speak what matters and be ready to listen to what matters. I had the privilege of having a father-in-law that did both. And I can tell you, he blessed my life, and he spoke to me in so many ways. My father-in-law was a physician. He's with Jesus now, and he's one of the godliest men I've ever known. I mean, I thought my father was, was just right there at the top, and then I married into my wife's family, and I met Dr. Moore. He was a family practice physician. He had been such for many years. In fact, his father was a family practice physician, and his grandfather was a family practice physician. So medicine had been in the family. And I learned so many things from him. And I, I, I can't, I would love to just spend time talking about him, but I got to reduce it to a few things. Let me tell you one of the things I learned, and I practiced it this morning right there. What I learned from my father-in-law is when people ask you to pray for them, do it immediately. Do it immediately. Now, he's a doctor, right? And he loved us going with him. And his kids, he, he always had time for them, but he loved them to go to the office with him. In fact, he loved Hannah, my daughter, his granddaughter, was, she couldn't have been very old, and she sat in the room and watched him take a cyst off a guy's ear. We told Hannah, no, you're confusing him with Dr. Pimple Popper. That, that was not your grandfather. She said, no, he wanted me in there. He loved that. So I would go with him to the hospital when he would make calls. If somebody came up to him in the hallway 
He's got his lab coat, stethoscope, come up in the hallway, tell him something. He'd stop right there and he'd go, hey, David, let's, let's pray right now. And I'm like, can't we wait? I mean, we're in the middle of a hall and there's every patient's room. He prayed. We were on the elevator one time and a guy gets on and he knew him because he had taken care of him and the guy's wife. He said, hey, how's your wife doing? And the guy said, well, she's a lot better since she got her opals taken out. And I'm thinking, opals? Is that a body part? And, and I'm looking at him, and he goes, hey, well, why don't we pray? Let's just give thanks that she's doing better. And so after we prayed and he left, I looked at Dr. Moore and said, opals? <laughs> he said, ovaries, real close, same thing, <laughs> real close. So everywhere we went, he taught me to pray. A woman came over just a minute ago. I mean, scared me, walked up during worship. She says, David, I've been diagnosed with a, a very rare tumor. And they're going to do surgery in just a few, few days, a few weeks. Would you pray for me? Now, part of me said, yeah, uh, hey, let me get with you later. But then I heard my father-in-law. And I said, absolutely, Brenda. Let's pray right now. And I prayed. Because I listened. God taught me through my father-in-law. My father-in-law was a, a marathon runner. He didn't run his first marathon until he was 49 years old. And he ran the Boston. I mean, if you're going to start a marathon, might as well start at the top, right? He ran the Boston Marathon, 49 years of age, ran it in 3.30, three hours and 30 minutes. And then he started running another one and another one. And by the time he was 67, he had run five marathons. And the paper did a special on him. His local paper had a picture of him. And I'm going to put that picture up in the article. This is what came out in the paper. In that picture, he is 67 years old. He's three years older than me in that picture. Or let me just say that this way. I'm only three years younger than him. I got a long way to catch up to that body and to that physique and that ability. He was unbelievably gifted. But he told the paper the reason he loved to run marathons is because it gave him time to pray for his family, to pray for his church, and to memorize Scripture. He memorized the book of Philippians. He memorized the book of Ephesians. And he memorized the book of James. My father knew had my father-in-law knew how to listen. And scripture memory was his way of listening. I ran with him many times. I never quoted scripture while we ran. I was trying to breathe. I did not have the breath to say anything. He was an incredible athlete. And I just remember his favorite verse was for me to live as Christ and to die as game. And that's on his marker at the gravesite. And one day, he gave all of his children and his grandchildren a picture. And he wrote a note to each of us of his children, Rachel being his daughter. He wrote a note to her and to me on the back of the picture. Now let me show you the picture first. This is the picture that he gave. And you've seen it uh, in a lot of places. We have this picture framed, and it's hanging. As you walk in our house, on the left, there is, and I learned the word, a niche. It's a little offset place. 
and it's lit up with light and it's hanging right there because it's a meaningful, meaningful print to us. But what's even more meaningful is what he wrote on the back because he wrote it to us. I want to do something. I want to read it for dads. So I'm going to ask guys, come on, stand up again. Stand up with me in the room, okay? Just stand up. This is what I pray for you. As you look at that print, this is what my father-in-law taught me. And I want us to learn together. As you awaken each morning, look at this picture of Jesus and the Lamb. Notice how Jesus is holding the little lamb in his arms close to himself. He has watched over that lamb all night long. You become his little lamb when you trust him as your Savior and your Lord. And when you are his little sheep and he is your shepherd, he watches over you all night and all day long. You don't need to worry or be upset or afraid. Your shepherd loves you and is taking care of you. Next, look at the nail, the nail hole in Jesus' wrist. He came to earth and he paid the price and died for your sins so you can be holy and enter into the presence of our Holy Father. Finally, look at that smile on the little lamb's face. You have a reason to smile too. Jesus loves you and he cares for you. He died for you. He's given you eternal life with him in heaven. There you will serve him, see his face, reign with him forever and ever. Now think about that. And now smile and say, the Lord is my shepherd. He is all I need. Amen and hallelujah. That is my prayer for us as fathers to listen and then to say what really matters to our families, to our friends, to anybody who will listen. And so can I just pray for you right now? Father, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful privilege of being a dad, a father. Thank you for showing us how as our Heavenly Father. And I pray we will always be ready to talk about what matters, to tell them about you, and we'll be ready to listen to anything you have to say to us. Thank you, Lord, for these standing. It is a blessing on this Father's Day. In Jesus' name, and let everyone say, Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.